0: Hello, and welcome to the Money Girl podcast. My name is Laura Adams. I'm a personal finance expert and author of multiple books, including Money Girl's Smart Moves to Grow Rich. You can learn more about me at lauradadams.com. Today's topic is about a terrible, but very important topic. What happens to debt when you die? Just about all of us will have to deal with the death of a loved one someday, and perhaps their debt. When you die, there's typically a lot of unfinished business to figure out, and some of the rules may surprise you. If you've ever worried about having to pay a deceased family member's debts, or wondered who will pay yours, this show will give the facts about debt and death and hopefully put your mind at ease. So let's talk about what happens when you die. After you die, Everything you leave behind becomes its own legal entity called your estate. What happens to your estate depends on whether you die with or without a last will and the state where you lived. Every estate must have someone who puts things in order, and this person is called an executor. He or she distributes your property, pays your outstanding bills, and settles your debts. I strongly recommend that you create a last will and name someone in it who you trust to be your executor. If you don't, the court will appoint an executor to handle your affairs for you. Just remember that it won't be someone you know and they may not carry out your wishes the way you would have liked. The executor's job is to protect your assets, such as your home, household belongings, vehicles, bank accounts, and investments, and to pay your liabilities or debts such as mortgages, credit cards, loans, and taxes. If there isn't enough cash in the estate to pay what's owed, the executor must sell as much of your property as possible. For instance, if you don't have enough to pay off a credit card, your car could be sold to raise money. However, in most states, certain assets, such as your retirement funds, they're safe from liquidation to pay creditors. If you name a spouse or child as the beneficiary of your 401k or IRA, they would receive the money, even if your estate were insolvent or broke. That's why it's so important to have beneficiaries updated on your retirement account. If you have no beneficiaries, that money would get rolled into your entire estate. After all debts are paid, the executor distributes the balance of the estate's assets to the beneficiaries as spelled out in your will, if you have one. For instance, let's say you have a home with a mortgage, and your will says that it's to go to your sister. If you die and she accepts the property, she would also be responsible for making the mortgage payments going forward. There's actually a federal law called the Garn-St. Germain Depository Institutions Act which allows a close relative who inherits a property to assume payments on the mortgage without triggering a due-on-sale clause. In other words, your sister could title the home in her name and make payments, even if the mortgage remains in your name after your death. But what if there are more debts than assets in the estate and some creditors can't be paid off? If there isn't enough cash or property to cover your debts, then your creditors are generally out of luck. This really surprises a lot of people, and knowing this should put your mind at ease if you have family members who are racking up debt and you've been worried about whether someone could come after you for it. If debt is in your name only, creditors can't go to your family, friends, or heirs to collect it. Likewise, you're not responsible for other people's debt, except in certain situations, which I'll cover in a moment. Creditors also can't go after property or cash that goes directly to someone else when you die, such as the beneficiary of your life insurance or your retirement account beneficiary, as I previously mentioned. All consumers are protected by the Federal Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, which prohibits collectors from using abusive or deceptive tactics to try to collect a debt. Even though it's illegal for creditors to collect a deceased person's debts from someone who isn't responsible for them, they may try. Creditors have a limited period of time, such as up to six months, to make a claim against an estate. If it has no money, creditors have been known to prey on relatives in hopes that they'll feel duty-bound to pay up. Remember, it's the deceased person's estate that is typically responsible for debts, not you. I say typically because there is an exception known as filial responsibility that applies in 29 states and Puerto Rico. It may require adult children to pay for a deceased parent's unpaid medical debts owed to a hospital or a nursing home when the estate can't cover them. Even though filial support laws have been largely ignored, court decisions in recent years indicate a renewed interest in enforcing them. I'll put more links to this topic in the notes for this show on the Money Girl page at quickanddirtytips.com. Now, let's talk about what happens to co signed debts when you die. Let's say you co-signed a joint credit card with a boyfriend or a car loan with a parent. The death of a co does not eliminate your obligation to pay a debt. Even if you never charged a dime on a joint credit card or didn't drive a car with a cosigned loan, you're still legally responsible for 100% of the debt. Not 50%. You're responsible for all of it. That's why co-signing is a really serious decision that you should never take lightly. One terrible situation that many people don't think about is co-signing a student loan with a child who dies. In that case, the parent would be obligated to pay off their deceased child's entire loan. A smart solution to protect your finances is to get an inexpensive term life insurance policy on the student. That would give the parent a payout and ensure that a co-signed loan could be paid off in full. I also want to clarify the difference between owning a credit card and being an authorized user on one. A user can have a card in his or her name but has no legal responsibility for the debt. For instance, if you're an authorized user on your dad's credit card and he passes away, you're not responsible for the debt, even if you made loads of charges. So make sure you're clear about your card ownership status if a debt collector comes knocking. Unless you're a co-signer on someone's account, his or her credit card bills are not your problem. Now let's talk about how being married affects the issue of debt and death. It, it really makes it much more complicated. Hey there, I want to tell you about one of my favorite podcasts, Freakonomics Radio. Every week, host and best-selling author Stephen Dubner dives into the hidden side of business economics, and so much more. He interviews CEOs, historians, and Nobel laureates to explore all kinds of topics, like why the best employees can make the worst bosses and how whales went from being economic engines to environmental icons. If you're a curious person looking to better understand the world around you, you'll find everything you're looking for on Freakonomics Radio. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> Okay, back to debt and death when you're married. What happens depends on whether you live in a common law state or a community property state. There are nine community property states. They include Arizona, California, Idaho, Louisiana, Nevada, New Mexico, Texas, Washington, and Wisconsin. And in Alaska, spouses can choose to opt into the community property system if they like. In community property states, money earned and property acquired by either spouse during the marriage is owned equally by both of you. Likewise, your debts are shared. So even if your spouse had a secret credit card that was in his name only, you'd still be responsible for the debt after his death in a community property state. But property and debt that you owned before the marriage are not considered community property. For instance, if you took out a student loan before getting married, your spouse would not be responsible for it if you died. Also, you can sign a legal document like a pre- or post-nuptial agreement that separates some or all of the community property you own. As I mentioned, common law applies in the rest of the states, where it's easier to tell which spouse owns what assets and liabilities. In general, earnings and debts incurred by one spouse do not become jointly owned. However, debts of one spouse in common law states do become the responsibility of both spouses if the money was used for the benefit of the marriage or family. For instance, one spouse used credit card debt to pay for housing, food, or child care. But if a deceased spouse's name is on a credit card that you didn't know about, you likely would not be responsible for it. However, how debts are treated can vary slightly even among the common law states. There may be some instances where you could be responsible for one half of a debt owed by a deceased spouse instead of the full amount. To sum up, here are five important truths about debt and death. Truth number one, family and friends don't inherit debt. With only a few exceptions, such as being a cosigner and the filial responsibility laws for medical debt that I mentioned, family members are not responsible for a deceased person's debts. Truth number two Authorized credit card users have no responsibility. Unlike a cosigner, being an authorized user on a credit card means that you're not liable for the primary cardholder's debt. Truth number three. Community property states are different. If you're married and live in a community property state, you can be liable for your spouse's debts, even if you didn't agree to them or know about them. Truth number four, some creditors may not get paid. When a deceased person leaves more debts than assets in an estate, creditors simply may not get paid. And truth number five, debt collectors cannot harass you. If you're not in charge of an estate and you get contacted by a collector for a debt that you don't owe, you can tell the caller that you don't want to be contacted about that debt again. If you ever need help planning or managing an estate, be sure to contact an attorney to get help. And before we go, I want to stress again how important it is for every adult to have a last will. It doesn't matter your age or your net worth. It's something that will help your last wishes be carried out and make the process of handling your estate much less burdensome on the loved ones that you leave behind. If you like the show, be sure to tell a friend and leave a review. That's exactly what Connell Cruiser did, who says, clear, concise, informative, never miss an episode. And Blue Gal 2007 says, ideas and options that were once vague and confusing to me have been made much less complex, and I feel confident about making choices. This is information everybody needs to know, and listening is like getting a free education in personal finance. Connell Cruiser, Blue Gal 2007, thank you for your five-star reviews. It means so much to me. If you haven't submitted a quick review yet, that's the Best way to give back to the show. It really does mean a lot. It helps new listeners get the financial information they need. I'm at Laura Adams on Twitter. Send me your question or comment anytime. And if you want to get direct email updates from me, just send me a text. Text the phrase get updates to the number 33444. Again, that's get updates to the number 33444. That's all for now. I'll talk to you next week. Courtesy of Money Girl, your guide to a richer life.